Blog Talk Radio. Time now for the Gridiron Stud Show. Well, you can be all American. Actually, actually, I can do it now. You can do it now? Yeah, I can do it. But I'm trying to focus on my position. With your host, Chad Wilson. They hate no me on set. You know, yeah, I got to something in the mix. Bringing you high school, college, and NFL talk. I don't rap a discipline. Yes, sir. You all need more discipline. True discipline. Come on, get a grip. Call us on the show today. Don't get out of my face with that crazy that, stuff. That, that. The number to call, 347-633-9365. If y'all got to take y'all know that. Or you can reach us on Twitter, at Gridiron Stud. And now, your host, Chad I'd be lying to you if I told you I was prepared for today's show, but nevertheless, the show must go on. Welcome to Monday. It's the Gridiron Stud Show. Chad Wilson here with you. I do not have my co-host today. He is uh, taking uh, the day off, so it's going to be me solo here for the next hour as we talk a number of things. LeBron with the buzzer beater. Uh, judgment day, perhaps, for Tom Brady as he'll find out his punishment for deflate gate and uh, another NFL Rookie tears his ACL. We'll talk about that and more. We'll talk some college football today with a focus on the ACC, home of the Florida State Seminoles and the University of Miami. We'll talk some topics from the ACC today. Also try and touch a little high school football at the uh, bottom part of this hour. Talk high school football uh, with a focus on the state of Florida. But as always, I know we have nationwide listeners. If anyone from uh, around the country wants to talk, football in their neck of the woods, I will certainly not stop you. If you want to join me on the show today, the number is 347-633-9365. Again, 347-633-9365. As always, for y'all on lockdown uh, at your job or just can't phone in, we will take your questions and comments on Twitter, and that's at Gridiron Studs. Or you can send an email, cwilson at gridironstuds.com. All right. What we have going on this weekend, how about, listen, I'm telling you, we've got a really good, uh, if, you, if you haven't been following, we have a really, really good NBA postseason going on right now. I don't know about y'all, but it all seems to be really wide open. I know going into this thing, many people were talking about uh, this is going to be the Cleveland Cavaliers year, and no one should ever go into any season in any sport saying it's going to be the year of any team from the city of Cleveland. I'm sorry to all of the Cleveland fans that are listening out there. Um, no shot at you, but just history says um, one way or another, that's not going to happen. So I don't care if you're the Browns, if you're the Indians, if you are the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers, you can't be assured of anything in the postseason. And uh, speaking of that, we have a really, really good series going on in uh, the Eastern Conference between the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Chicago Bulls. And I think by now we all know how that one went down yesterday. LeBron with his third, third career buzzer beater for a win. Ties him with Michael Jordan for all of you that follow that kind of stuff. But nevertheless, LeBron came up with the goods late in the basketball game. And, you know, he's had a little bit of a, an issue, if you could say that. Um, in in his in his career, in which people were saying he's not necessarily a clutch player, uh, he may have put a little bit of that to rest. 
yesterday with uh, an outstanding buzzer beater to push the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers series with the Chicago uh, Bulls to a two-all tie, man. And we are really getting uh, we are really getting a good series here between those teams. Not only just those two, but we've had some really good series going on. I mean, last Saturday we had uh, a really great uh, game between the Clippers and the San Antonio Spurs, a great game seven, um, and, and the Clippers end up prevailing in that one. And the Clippers are looking like monsters right now, if anyone's been paying attention. They, now, they're looking like a legit team coming out of the West. I mean, there's a strong chance the L.A. Clippers could be your representatives out of the West. And I know a lot of people wanted to hand that to the Golden State Warriors. They seem to be taken up uh, by the season that the Golden State Warriors had. But the Clippers are uh, out there serving notice. And uh, they're letting people know that they're just not, you're just not going to roll through uh, if you're the Golden State Warriors and be anointed the champions of the West. The Clippers came out yesterday, and not only did they win their game, I mean, they did it in grand fashion, posted up 128 points on the Houston Rockets, and uh, it was... It, I mean, that third quarter that the Clippers put together was ridiculous. Coming out and uh, scoring. Now, listen, the Clippers already had 60 points at the half, okay? Already had 60 points at the half. They were already getting busy offensively. Going to the locker room for halftime did nothing to cool them off, much to the chagrin of Houston Rockets fans. Clippers come out in the third quarter and put up 43 points, and that really just did the game in really just put the whole game to bed, outscore the Rockets by 18 points in that third quarter, and it was really uh, all she wrote at that point. Ends up being 128-95. to 95. Uh, DeAndre Jordan uh, leads the way for the Clippers, 26 points. Blake Griffin has been all that in the postseason. And, you know, there are plenty of non-Blake Griffin believers out there. I'm telling you what, this postseason he showed up and showed up big. He ends up with 21 points, 8 rebounds. Uh, Jordan, 17 rebounds on the day. That that was huge. A lot of contribution, good contributions from the bench for the Clippers as they've been getting. Rivers with 12 points, Crawford with 13, and they even got uh, 8 points out of Hawes and you know, some good rebounds and, and uh, things of that nature. Chris Paul uh, in action came up with 15 points for the uh, Clippers. Uh James Harden, 21 points in the losing effort. Not a whole lot of help from there. Trevor Ariza did provide 18 points, but certainly not enough. And I don't know what happened to Houston in that third quarter, but that's pretty much where they lost the basketball. Honestly, they didn't come out the right way. You know, when a team you're playing against goes to the locker room with 60 points already in the fold, you're already starting this thing off bad. But, you know, it was a very offensive game to be quite honest with you. I mean, the Rockets went into halftime with 54 points. It was a 60-54 to 54 game, but the third quarter's uh, where it all went down. Uh, very defensive, as it always is in the, uh, on the eastern side. The Cavaliers and the Bulls, um, though James had, LeBron had the uh, buzzer beater, it ended up being an 86-84 to 84 game. And the third period in this game, the third quarter in this game, quite unlike the third quarter in the game, between the Clippers and the Rockets, where the Clippers and the Rockets put up 68 points in their contest. Uh, the Cavaliers and the Bulls could only manage 35 points in their third quarter of their game, which ended up being very, very defensive. Uh, on, the, uh, on the day, LeBron James led the way with 25 points, napped 14 rebounds. So he did his work out there for you LeBron haters. Derrick Rose... Uh, continues to be consistent. Hell, just continues to be on the court, which you got to love. 31 points in the loss for the Chicago Bulls. Again, the series tied up at two. Tonight it's going to be the Hawks versus the Wizards. Wizards up in that series 2-1. to one. I don't know if anyone's shocked about that. I don't think there were a whole lot of Washington Wizards believers coming into this. Despite the season that they had, uh, a lot of people felt like they didn't have the, the marquee player or the type of players that could take over in the postseason. As of now, you may be right, but uh, the series is only 2-1, to one, and we'll just have to see what happens tonight. The game is in uh, Washington. The Warriors and the Grizzlies resume their series tonight, 
and uh, the Grizzlies have taken a 2-1 to lead there. So where the Clippers are soaring and putting up 128 points on people and having 43-point quarters, uh, you have the, the uh, Warriors struggling a little bit with the Grizzlies as this series is 2-1 to in favor of Memphis, with tonight's game also being in Memphis. The Grizzlies can win this one tonight. Uh, could be a bit of a problem for Golden State going forward as they would have to win three in a row to uh, win out on that one, and everyone knows just how difficult that is. So the, uh, gr- the uh, Warriors facing a must-win situation tonight when they take on the uh, Memphis Grizzlies. And so that's what's going down in, uh, in your basketball. That's your update. Touch on a little bit of uh, baseball. We don't get to talk about that much on this show. I don't know why I have much of a baseball audience. If I do, you need to let your voice be heard. And, again, if you're calling into the show today, the number is 347-633-9365. Feel free to call in. Uh, running through the standings real quick. Um, and it should might be a couple of surprises there. The big surprise for me is that the New York Mets continue to hold their lead in the National League East three and a half games over the Washington Nationals, who everyone anointed and crowned before the season began. However, I do need to remind everyone, 162 games in uh, a baseball season, so what you see today may not be what you see tomorrow. But as of now, the Mets at 20 and 11 are three and a half uh, games ahead in the National League East. In the Central, it's the St. Louis Cardinals. Many would argue uh, one of the best franchises in Major League Baseball. They have the biggest lead of anyone in Major League Baseball right now. 22-9, and nine, the highest winning percentage, so basically the best team in baseball right now, and they have a six-and-a-half game lead over the Chicago Cubs, who are at 500 right now. And in the West, the Dodgers continue to be the standard at 20-10, and 10, having a pretty solid season. They have a four-and-a-half game lead over the San Diego Padres. Over in the American League, I'm as surprised as anyone in if you didn't know it, I'm a huge New York Yankees fan, have been for as long as I can remember, and I'm pleased to see the Yankees there atop the AL East by three games at 20 and 12. Uh, just don't know how long they're going to stay there. And this is without them getting anything, and I mean anything at all, from CC Sabathia. Big CC's 0-5. I think this is probably his last season in pinstripes, and uh, I think he's on the mound today. Let me... Make a quick check on that. Yep, Sabathia's on the mound at 0-5 as they head down to Tampa to face the Devil Rays. Uh, In the Central, it's the Royals again. Believe it or not, these Royals might be for real. Took it all the way to the end last year, and here they are coming back the next year. Kansas City fans rejoice. Take a picture of this. Freeze this moment. Don't know how long this can last, but here your Kansas City Royals are in first place by a game and a half over the uh, Detroit Tigers, and that's probably going to be the battle for most of the season. I see the Twins are hanging around there in third place, two and a half games behind. Uh, many would expect them to fall off. The Twins are hot right now, have won, having won eight of their last ten. But it is the Royals leading the American League Central. And out west, might be the biggest surprise of them all. However, yeah, I mean, no one knows what to ever expect from the AL West. And uh, for those who uh, predicted something like this, uh, kudos to you. The Houston Astros are your leaders in the AL West. Hell, I'm still just trying to get adjusted to the Astros being in the American League. But nevertheless, whether I can adjust to it or not, they are your leaders in the AL West. And uh, they are top at 20 and 12 with a five-game lead. Okay, that's a healthy lead they have in the AL West. And uh, they have a five-game lead. Angels are in second place, and um, they are below 500. The only second-place team in all of baseball that uh, is below 500. So struggling out there to find wins in the American League West. As a result, the Houston Astros are uh, atop of the whole heap right there. going to be interesting to see how things go as we move into the so-called dog days of summer. So that's your uh, update on baseball. Don't say I never cover baseball on here. I do want to get into it more. That means I'm going to need more baseball listeners. But right now what we have the most are football, 
listeners, and uh, football is the name of the game right now. It is a year-round sport, and we're going to talk about that. We're going to hit on the ACC and some topics in the ACC when we get back from the break. We'll talk ACC football. We'll do that and more when we get back on the Gridiron Stud Show right after this. Summer basketball, family picnics, all around the corner, and you're paying big money for t-shirts from screen printers? Why? Screen printed t-shirts are costly when dug for small groups. They're limited in color unless you want to pay an even higher price. More colors mean higher prices. How do we solve this? Do it yourself at home with your inkjet printer and a hand iron. That's right, with heat transfer paper sold at t-shirtsupplies.com, you can design your own logos, put any wording you want, Print it on your inkjet print paper and using the proper paper sold by t-shirtsupplies.com, you can get this the way that you want it. There's no limit to the amount of color or the design. You can transfer a photograph using this paper. It's great for team sports. It's great for family reunions. It's great for birthday grips. The t-shirt is part of the American culture and now you can design your own. Don't worry if you haven't done it before. T-Shirt Supplies has the first-rate customer service. They will help you get the paper you want for your project and steer you in the right direction. Visit them now at t-shirtsupplies.com. That's t-shirts, no hyphen, supplies, plural, all one word, dot com. Or call them at 1-877-857-2737. That's 1-877-85-PAPER. T-shirtsupplies.com. Go there now. Hey, 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 do you love fantasy sports? Do you love money? Do you love excitement? Well, get ready, because you may have found your heaven. FanDuel has combined all of these great things into one amazing website. Turn your love for sports into money and excitement with one week and even one day fantasy leagues with a chance for enormous payouts. FanDuel pays out over $10 million in winnings weekly to its members. That's right, $10 million. One member has made over 600000 playing in their league. Another customer entered a one-day contest for $25 and, get this, cashed out $25,000 that day. FanDuel even offers a 100% money-back guarantee. Sign up now and join a league. If you don't absolutely love it, they'll give you your money back. You can enter leagues for as little as $1. For a limited time, FanDuel is offering a 100% deposit match bonus to Gridiron Stud Show listeners. That's right, they'll match your initial deposit all the way up to $200. What more can you ask for? Just head over to FanDuel.com right now and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS when you sign up. But you better hurry. The match bonus is going to end soon. Just head over to FanDuel.com and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS. Do it now! You want the truth? Well, here it is. Speed kills, and in no other sport is that true than in football. Speed gets you to the end zone. Speed gets you to the ball carrier. Speed makes you a winner. Do you want championship-type speed? Do you want speed that kills? Then Complete Speed is what you need. Complete Speed is turning athletes into game breakers. With quick and easy methods that are easy to understand, Complete Speed can shave time off your 40-yard dash, make you quicker and more explosive. They have a clear progression, drills, and exercises, along with specific instructions. They also have proven sample workouts and programs for you, the individual, or for you, the coach. Speed is what you need, so hurry now and check out Complete Speed. Just go to gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed. That's gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed for more information right now. Back here on the Gridiron Stud Show, Monday edition, Chad Wilson. I'm in here solo, riding solo today. Emil Calamino not able to make it in. He will rejoin me on Friday. We'll uh, be up to our normal shenanigans here on the Gridiron Stud Show. Nevertheless, I already gave you the update on the NBA. 
and uh, Major League Baseball. So let's turn to some college football right now, and uh, in particular the ACC. Um, hanging around on ESPN, ran into an article that has five bold predictions. Five more bold predictions for the ACC. Written by Andrea Adelson, college football writer for ESPN. And uh, here they are. Uh, Andrew thinks Virginia Tech's going to win 10 games this season. At least, he says, at least 10 games. Now, uh, uh, you know, Andrew says, and I agree with her, that this would not be such a bold statement had it been made five or six years ago. But given what uh, Virginia Tech has looked like in recent seasons, and, you know, even last year, the games that they won were ugly. Uh, I watched them play Miami. On uh, I believe it was a Thursday night, looked like a really bad football team. Looked awful. So, to uh, come back from uh, the kind of season that they just had, and the way that they have looked over the last couple of years, and say that they're going to be a ten-digit team, ten-digit winning team, and win at least ten games, uh, would qualify as a as a bold prediction. I don't know how much. People want to hang on their hat uh, for beating the Buckeyes last year. I think that was a bit of a fluke because at no point in time before or after that Ohio State game did they look like the team that showed up on that night. One of the great things about college football because, you know, anything can happen. But that was a very subpar program. So uh, this is a bit of a reach out there. and We'll have to see just uh, how accurate Mr. Adelson is on uh, Virginia Tech. I don't know if I see that. Now, in the summertime, Emil and I do come up with our predictions about uh, each conference, and uh, I'm going to have to take a really close look. She has intrigued me along those lines, so I will have to take a really close look at Virginia Tech and see if it is possible that they win 10 games this year. If they do, that's going to be bad news for the University of Miami. I think 10, winning 10 games is going to win you the division, if you come up with 10 wins. I would have to think so. Uh, Bold prediction number two is that Clemson will have two 1,000-yard receivers. I don't know how bold that is. Clemson has been getting it done in the passing game for several years now, and they've also recruited well at the wide receiver position. Uh, Deshaun Watson, everyone expects to have a really, really good year. And uh, you've got guys like Mike Williams and Artavis Scott and how about Artavis Scott coming in and putting up the kind of season that he did as a freshman? You, I mean, that's outstanding. And so he's definitely a candidate to uh, for a thousand yards. And uh, as is Mike Williams. But uh, Deshaun Watson distributing the rock uh, is going to be a, a pretty thing for Clemson fans to watch this season. He was exciting in uh, the games that he was in. Last year, did miss some time, but when he was in there, he looked to be that kind of guy, and uh, he's going to have some, some, some targets to throw the ball to. Mike Williams and Arteva Scott, some very capable wide receivers for uh, Clemson, and so that means trouble for some ACC defenses. Uh, what Clemson's able to do defensively will determine exactly how far they go uh, and if they can take out Florida State, which brings us to the next bold prediction Florida State will find its way into the top ten. And, again, if you're just joining me, this is five bold predictions, according to Andrea Adelson, college football writer for ESPN. So these are not my bold predictions. Perhaps I can come up with some. But uh, this is what I have. And uh, number three, she says Florida State will find its way into the top ten again. Perhaps she's right. I don't know how bold that is. Florida State has been one of the top teams in college football for uh, several years now, yes, Jameis Winston is gone, and I have uh, I'm on record as saying um, I really want to see what this team's going to do when Jameis is not behind center. I think there's going to be a uh, distinct difference in performance and things. Jameis really had those guys believing. So over the last two years, a lot of uh, not only talent but leaders have left uh, out of Florida State through graduation and off to the NFL which is great for them, obviously. 
So it's going to be interesting to see just how they fare with uh, Jameis gone and others losing Rashad Green. Can they just keep reloading? You know, it's one thing to just keep bringing in talent. You know, a lot of a lot of uh, programs can do that. It's one thing to bring in talent. It is an entire another thing, opposite thing, to bring in talent with leadership skills. And what happens to most programs is that at a certain point, uh, the guys coming in lose the lessons of the guys who built this thing. And that is some of the hard work and the little things that are done and maybe some of the things that the public at large don't see, programs start to lose that edge. And uh, the prima donnas and the five stars start coming in and they're pretty used to being dominant players at their school in their area and um, perhaps the work ethic is not there. It's funny how programs, um, and a lot of programs are guilty of this, they will build their program with high-quality three- and four-stars and guys that want to work, and they will coach the hell out of those guys, and they'll take their program from the shadows and put it into the limelight with those type players who love the game of football, are willing to work, and uh, are coachable, and will develop. And as soon as they reach a certain level of success, whether that's a national championship or multiple conference titles, uh, they start to change the personnel. Suddenly, it's we have to get all the five-star guys. We need to grab all the five-star recruits. This is what our fans want to see. And uh, now this is what we're going to do. We're going to just go out and grab the five-star guys, which it gets uh, easier to do, obviously, when you're winning. Five stars want to say they're with the winners. They want to be with the national champs. And therein begins the decline. You're bringing in guys who were very talented in high school. In high school, they were talented. But now, coaching staffs try, start to get comfortable saying, well, we've got these five-star guys coming in. Ta-da, we should start winning games. It's like someone setting up a website and putting it on the Internet and expecting the money to just roll in. Well, you got work to do. Seems like sometimes they bring in a five-star and feel like we don't have to do much of anything. He's already a great talent. No, man. You got mental work to do with five stars. A lot of those guys aren't ready to grind like that. They are used to having their way and getting things a lot of times with less than their maximum effort. And so not only are they five stars who have that kind of mentality coming in, they're coming into a place where you've won thinking, well, we're just going to get up in our uniforms and go out on the field and we're just going to win because we are Florida State. We are Alabama. We are Oregon. We're just going to roll our helmets out there and win. So that's a bad combination, very bad combo. Didn't have to work that hard in high school to be better than everyone else. And we're coming to a place where we've been winning, and uh, the thought is we're just going to put on that uniform and people are going to lay down for us. And so begins the breakdown of your dynasty. That and the police start paying a lot more attention to what your players are doing uh, when they're away from the football field. That and the media. So uh, Florida State... Nowadays, they get all the five-star talent, but is that, does that mean Florida State is going to continue to dominate? And so according to Andrea Adelson, she thinks Florida State will find its way into the top ten. Again, she likes their schedule. She thinks they'll be undefeated heading into their matchup against Georgia Tech in late October and feels that uh, they would need wins over Miami and Louisville, which games both of those games are at home. And that should get them into the top ten. They do have a Friday night trip to Boston College, which can be tough. But uh, she feels they'll be in the top ten. And number four, she thinks NC State will be the best team in North Carolina. And potentially a dark horse in the Atlantic. Huh? Now, we also, NC State, give uh, Florida State all types of hell in the beginning of their game last year. 
and uh, Jameis and the boys worked their magic and were able to come back. But I believe NC State had a 24-7 to lead in that contest and uh, had Florida State with all kind of bad thoughts and their fans in uh, tears for a little bit. They won't admit that, but they were quite scared down 24-7. Jacoby Brissett was playing a really, really great game. And uh, a combination of Florida State really believing in Jameis Winston and Jameis getting the boys to play and, you know, get themselves out of the hole. And NC State really wondering how and why they had a lead like that in this game. Those two things combined to NC State not uh, losing the lead and eventually the game. But they did open some eyes, no doubt about it. NC State coming out with a game like that and uh, did do some great things last year. I don't know if you can hang your hat on them beating uh, Wake Forest in North Carolina, but they did so decisively. And so uh, many are, including Miss uh, Andrea Adelson, expect NC State to do good things this year. They are bringing Bursett back, along with uh, eight other starters. Pretty good at the running back spot. What will they do on defense is uh, going to be the big question mark for them. And ultimately, I think... When NC State falls short this year, it will be because the defensive unit couldn't really hang. You saw what happened once uh, Winston and the boys got things rolling. NC State's defense was Swiss cheese. And uh, number five, last but not least, or maybe least on this uh, list here, uh, Andrew feels Al Golden will do enough to return in 2016, and we know that was all of the talk. Uh, once the bowl game was over this year, what's going to happen with Al Golden? Will he continue to be the coach of the University of Miami past 2016? Some were calling for his head. Let me not say some. Many were calling for his head after the bowl game, but that's just Canes fans. Um, tired of the disappointment. Tired of not uh, getting to the national championship game. Tired of not winning an ACC title or even being able to play for it since joining the ACC. And then last year, not even finishing at or above 500. And uh, a combination of those things were enough to drive Canes fans into a frenzy. If uh, you have Canes fans out there that are still all worked up and would like to see Al Golden gone, according to Andrea Adelson, not going to happen. She feels Al Golden will do enough to return in 2016. And uh, many believe that this is a critical must-win season, and he is going to be one of the coaches on the hot seat in the ACC. Uh, I don't know how sure um, how solid that information is. Yes, it be you know should have a better season than six and seven, but if he went seven and six, who knows if that means he's going to be out of a job? The powers that be at the University of Miami do like Al Golden. Maybe not so much in love with what's happening on the field. Certainly don't love a six and seven season, but they do like Al Golden. And so no one knows exactly what that means. But she does believe uh, that Golden will do enough to keep Miami guiding into the future. Obviously, uh, they have a young quarterback in Brad Kaya that they really believe in and that he's the future. Who knows what the future even means in college football anymore? How much of a future is there? Look at Jameis Winston. If after that first season you felt like, oh, the future is set, at Florida State, at the quarterback position, well, what was the future? Only one more season? Because that's all you got. Got one more year out of Jameis Winston after he set the world on fire. So who even knows? Brad Kaya comes out and lights it up this year, has a really good season, progresses well from the good freshman season that he had. How much is the future with Brad Kaya? A good junior year, and guess what? He's out of there. These guys aren't hanging around much anymore. The money is too much. The uh, potential earnings are too much, so I don't know about future. That future can go by really, really quick. Now, Andrew does admit that the schedule is difficult, and that is something to take into consideration. Nebraska, Florida State, Clemson, all on the schedule. And then the usual suspects in the coastal rotation, which would include Georgia Tech and the Virginia Tech team, that she believes is going to win 10 games this year. Duke looks like they want to hang around and be a serious football power in the ACC. No questioning Miami's depth and talent. You saw that on draft day. There is talent in Coral Gables. Can the talent all come together 
and develop the uh, mindset, the winning mindset, the go-for-it mindset, and get uh, and get into double-digit win category, get to the ACC title game. It's something uh, a lot of people are longing for and would consider that a step in the right direction. A lot of people feel that he does indeed need to get to the ACC title game to keep his job. Those are uh, your fans that are still from the national championship days. I say eight and four, nine and three uh, would be all that needs to happen for Al Golden to return next year. Because I'm going to say it again, it, the powers that be do like Al Golden. I think he represents the program well, and uh, they like a lot of what he's doing. But Andrea closes this out by saying that uh, they will be better than a year ago. And so those are her five bold predictions. Got a question to some of you out there listening. What would be the team to add to the ACC that would put it on par? If there was one team that could get this done, what would be that one team that the ACC could add to their conference and put it on par with a Pac-12 or SEC? Feel free to rob a program from another conference if you need to do that to make that happen. But that would uh, be an interesting question to throw out there. And if you have an answer, you can call in 347-633-9365. Again, 347-633-9365. Or you could slip me a note on Twitter and let me know your answer to that question. We're going to take a break here. When we get back, it's time to talk NFL. Another, another NFL rookie goes down with an ACL. Uh, what's that going to do to the future of mini camps right after the draft? We'll talk about that and more when we get back on the Gridiron Stud Show right after this. NFL football, as uh, we now know, it's a year-round sport. 
and uh, we just had the NFL draft. But speaking on that, I don't care whether you're a youth football player, you're a high school football player, certainly if you're a college football player, they're all thinking about going to the NFL. And one of the best places to get NFL-type training is with FBU, also known as Football University. Um, and it's one of the best camps that you have out there in terms of uh, training and and getting tips and tricks. Um, and I, you know, I shudder to say that, but um, calling it tips and tricks, it's actual training from from NFL alumni to improve your skills, make you a better player, and set you on the way to your dreams and to having a better season. Uh, I've been to the camp multiple times. Uh, both of my boys have been to the FBU camp, and it really, really is a good experience. Gives you a little bit of taste of the uh, college football atmosphere. You go out. Uh, not only are you just out on the field, as most camps, you do have classroom time. You go into the classroom, you review some film, uh, you're given coverages, you're given plays, you're given routes, you're given technique, and you're getting it from uh, ex-NFL guys who are really good teachers as well. Uh, FBU does a really good job of screening those who are, are going to be giving instruction to the uh, campers that show up because, you know, not always – because you're a good NFL football player, that means you're a good teacher. That doesn't always mean the case. But FBU does a really good job of not only having guys who are very accomplished NFL players, um, but also guys who can teach the game as well. They also get a lot of great help from uh, those who have played college football and from local high school coaches that are well-respected and have achieved a certain level of uh, excellence in their craft. So that all comes together to provide a really, really great camp experience uh, one of the best camps that are put on every year, and they're on the circuit. For you South Florida listeners, what makes up a, a very big amount of the group that's listening, the FBU camp is coming to you. It's going to be at Coral Springs High School from May 29th through the 31st. Coral Springs High School, and uh, located on 7201 West Sample Road. Uh, and it'll be back. The South Florida camp is always a really, really great one. A lot of folks come out. You know football is king down here in South Florida, and uh, they do uh, have a very good camp when they come down here because, again, you know, some of your best players in the area do come out, and they get uh, very good coaching. Again, the best the best coaches uh, come down here. It's uh, They really go all in in the South Florida camp. So, again, May 29th through the 31st, FBU is down here in South Florida. And on top of that, they're also going to have uh, training for the kickers, punters, and long snappers. Uh, so you're going to have that addition as well on the uh, May 29th and uh, 31st through 31st camp of uh, FBU. So be sure to uh, sign up now and uh, join some, one of the top camps in all of the country. Head over to footballuniversity.org. Again, footballuniversity.org and sign up for the South Florida FBU camp. Uh, and, again, I have personally attended and would highly recommend that uh, you attend and get the uh, great experience offered by Football University. Okay, turning our attention now over to the NFL, I am uh, sure that uh, you have heard about Dante Fowler uh, getting injured in his first action at minicamp. Fowler, uh, the third round, the uh, third draft pick overall by the Jacksonville Jaguars, a very tough break. For the Jags is they're going to lose Dante Fowler to that ACL injury for the entirety of the 2015 season. I did ask on Twitter just how cursed are the Jacksonville Jaguars. You go out, you get your guy that you want. First of all, you uh, worked yourself into position to have a high draft pick. And, um, you know, that little bit of a joking term there. By work means you, you lost enough games to get a third pick overall. It means you should be able to get a guy that can help you immediately guy that can play and have an impact right away. You get your guy, you're going to get a top pass rusher who should put some pressure on a quarterback, which is a must in this league, and boom, one hour into his Jacksonville Jaguars career, he's gone for the first season with a torn ACL. Well, I'm sure most of you know all about that. Uh, I don't know if you heard about this one, but yet another NFL rookie has gone down. It's not a first-round pick, but it is a third-round pick of the Denver Broncos, tight end Jeff Hirman. Uh, who came from Ohio State, uh, a solid player, certainly not someone who's going to be relied upon or was going to be relied upon as much as a Dante Fowler at Jacksonville. Nevertheless, it's just another rookie going down in minicamp, and it makes you wonder what's what's going on there. 
And then, you know, what's the future of these mini camps right after the uh, draft? Do we need those? Do we really need those mini camps right after the draft? How much do we get out of that? Or is that just for the fans who need to immediately see the product on the field? I'd love to know why they had those mini camps immediately. They had them in my day, so nothing has really changed there. Immediately after the draft, I did have to go to Seattle Seahawks and participate in a mini camp. Don't recall anyone getting injured on our team or around the league back then. But, you know, there's so much preparation that goes into uh, getting ready for the draft physically, more so the combine. Um, I just wonder if any of that has anything to do with what's going on here with these two injuries, and as you know, things happen in threes, so I hate to say that. There may be another person going down with an ACL, as again, things happen in threes. So don't be shocked if you hear about another ACL tearing or a guy being lost for the season with an Achilles or something like that. Um, wouldn't be the craziest thing in the world. But again, tremendous amount of preparation that goes into the combine. And then it's not just over in a combine. Once a combine is over, you have the individual workouts, so much money at stake that these guys are going at it. And if they're not working out for a team, they're working out for the workout that they're going to have with a team. And it's just a whole lot of wear and tear uh, on the body. I don't know how much of a break that they get before they've got to go out now and go to the camp and then also prove themselves to be worthy of being a high-round draft pick or if you're a lower-round draft pick, uh, prove themselves to be worthy of even being on the team. So it's uh, it's a really hard go all the time. And there is really no off-season. So let's think about this. Uh, your college seniors or your guys that came out went through an entire 12 or 13, in some cases 14-game season, uh, then got prepared for a bowl game, did all the practices leading up to the bowl game, played in the bowl game, and then almost immediately after the bowl game being finished, they now needed to prepare themselves for the draft. And uh, first of all, for the combine, and they got to go all out. This is going to probably be the most strenuous uh, workout period of their life because this workout at the combine is going to be the most important interview or workout that they're ever going to have. So they are pushing their bodies to the absolute max. Don't know that they'll ever work out this hard again, but they're doing it. So there's running and jumping and weightlifting and all that going on. And again, after you complete the combine, that's not it. Now the individual teams are going to come out and work you out in private sessions. And those uh, there'll be a pro day, and then there's private sessions, and you need to have a, a private session with this team and that team and the pro day. And so not only do you have those workouts, you need to remain in shape looking at your absolute best for those workouts as they come. So you have all that. That stuff goes into April in some cases, early May, and then you have the draft. Upon the completion of the draft, you now need to go to uh, your team's minicamp that picked you up and go all out there, too. When does the body get a break? And is this going to be the norm that we see now, ACL tears, where muscles just don't fire? And both of these injuries were non-contact. So it's not someone fell into a leg or you got blocked and fell a certain kind of way, both non-contact injuries where you're planting a leg and something didn't go right and uh, you're tearing ACL. So is that to question? Is that to blame? And should the NFL now take a look at possibly uh, putting a little bit of time in between the draft and uh, that first workout? And having said that, if they, do, if they are successful in doing that, let's say the draft is in May, and it now, uh, you know, the, the minicamp is in June, mid-June, are the players going to slow down in terms of working out? Because after all, you do want to make a good impression in that first minicamp. Are they going to slow down on the workouts? And uh, there were some questions when I brought this up in social media, which I did bring to the table. Um you know, Fowler was in camp without a contract. So what happens there if he tears his ACL and could possibly be damaged goods or not as good as what people expected? Well, as it turns out, a lot of these players, or all of them, I suppose, sign uh, insurance, injury insurance, to go participate in the mini camps. Uh, 
what exactly that provides, I have no idea. I'm sure it um, grants them a certain amount of money in the event <clears throat> that something happens in the contract negotiations with the NFL team. If they turn around and say, hey, you know, we're not, you know, you're hurt right now, you're damaged goods, I don't know if we want to pay you that amount of money. However, the prevailing thought process is that it is in those teams' best interest, it's in the NFL's best interest as a whole to pay the player the allotted money that was going to come to him, whether he's injured or not. Because uh, it only takes one guy to get screwed over in that process for all non-contract rookies to say we're not participating in any of those quick turnover mini camps right after camp, or to we'll never participate in a mini camp without a signed contract. So it is in the best interest of the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Denver Broncos uh, to give the players the exact amount of money that they were going to get, whether they're injured or not injured. So uh, for those of y'all wondering about that, do expect Dante Fowler to get the amount slotted for his position in the draft, which again is third overall to the Jacksonville Jaguars, and for uh, Jeff Herman to get what he was expected to get as a uh, third-round pick for the uh, Denver Broncos. But certainly a development we'll continue to watch. Uh, for you uh, Florida Gator fans that are listening, Fowler had successful surgery over the weekend and was all smiles on his Instagram account. And uh, you know that he's going to go at the rehab really, really hard and try to come back better than ever. So uh, we're going to be interesting to see how he returns on that. But for those of you wondering, the money they were going to get is the money that they're going to get. And uh, that's the story. That's the number one thing I wanted to talk about in the NFL today. Not a whole heck of a lot going on, but I thought that was an interesting development, something probably we can continue to discuss going on. When we get back, we'll wrap up the show. Maybe we'll talk a little high school football here on the Gridiron Stud Show when we get back. We'll do that and more right after this. Hey, man, how many offers do you have? Well, I got about 10. Miami, Florida, Florida State, Auburn, USC, and more. How many you got? None yet. None? (laughs) Is this you? Are you sitting there with no offers whatsoever? Are you a good football player? Then head over to gridironstuds.com right now. At Gridiron Studs, you can create your own profile for free and post your highlight video. College football coaches are visiting gridironstuds.com on a daily basis looking for prospects. But they won't find you if you're not there. Don't keep your talents on the field a secret. Put up your free profile right now on gridironstuds.com and get college football coaches' eyes on you. Visit us now at gridironstuds.com or follow us on Twitter at gridironstuds. Gridironstuds.com. Make yourself be seen. You want the truth? Well, here it is. Speed kills. And in no other sport is that true than in football. Speed gets you to the end zone. Speed gets you to the ball carrier. Speed makes you a winner. Do you want championship-type speed? Do you want speed that kills? Then Complete Speed is what you need. Complete Speed is turning athletes into game breakers. With quick and easy methods that are easy to understand, Complete Speed can shave time off your 40-yard dash, make you quicker and more explosive. They have a clear progression, drills, and exercises, along with specific instructions. They also have proven sample workouts and programs for you, the individual, or for you, the coach. Speed is what you need, so hurry now and check out Complete Speed. Just go to gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed. That's gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed for more information right now. Hey, 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 do you love fantasy sports? Do you love money? Do you love excitement? Well, get ready, because you may have found your heaven. FanDuel has combined all of these great things into one amazing website. Turn your love for sports into money and excitement with one week and even one day fantasy leagues with a chance for enormous payouts. FanDuel pays out over $10 million in winnings weekly to its members. That's right, $10 million. One member has made over $600,000 playing in their league. Another customer entered a one-day contest for $25 and, get this, cashed out $25,000 that day. FanDuel even offers a 100% money-back guarantee. Sign up now and join a league. If you don't absolutely love it, they'll give you your money back. You can enter leagues for as little as $1. 
For a limited time, FanDuel is offering a 100% deposit match bonus to Gridiron Stud Show listeners. That's right, they'll match your initial deposit all the way up to $200. What more can you ask for? Just head over to FanDuel.com right now and enter the promo code Gridiron Studs when you sign up. But you better hurry. The match bonus is going to end soon. Just head over to FanDuel.com and enter the promo code Gridiron Studs. Do it now! segment of the Gridiron Stud Show here on a Monday, the 11th, already the 11th of May, flying by here. Uh, over the weekend down here in South Florida, we had what was known uh, annually as the uh, referee scrimmages down at FIU, Florida International University, a, a nice little thing that they put together uh, here for the last couple of years where uh, new referees that are going to be entering into the fold on the high school football gridiron um, have a chance to work their craft, be in training, and uh, referee some scrimmages that you have here. I think that's a good thing for the referees. Uh, many in South Florida will still tell you that the referees suck. Uh, that's usually coaches that say that kind of stuff, that are uh, on the wrong end of a bum deal. Um, when I first got into high school coaching, I used to be uh, a little hard on the referees. I must admit that. But uh, I learned a, a pretty good lesson early on. I was uh, coaching a high school football game, and I was just uh, riding a referee. I mean, he was having a bad night, okay? And I'd let him know all about it in rather creative ways. And um, I gave this guy airful all night long and uh, went on about my business. But I was also a youth football coach at that time, a head football coach in youth football. And I showed up for my game Saturday morning, the next morning. Got up, headed out to my game. Lo and behold, who's refing my game? The dude I threw a saddle on and rode the night before. Doing my youth football game. And man, they're human. And I don't need to tell you how that went. Didn't go really good. All the 50-50 calls, you best believe, went for the other team. Now, I happened to prevail. Thank God I was playing a team that uh, we outclassed in terms of talent and was able to overcome the fact that I got no 50-50 calls. And uh, it was a team that we could handle, and somehow we had twice as many penalties as they did. And so I learned a lesson that uh, referees are human, and so it didn't necessarily have to be, you know, the next day where we felt the effect. You think you can go fill a referee's ear up with uh, all of the uh, very strong things that you want to say and that he's not going to feel a certain type of way about it when it comes to making a call against you, you're dreaming. They're supposed to be impartial, but before they're impartial, they are human, so don't expect to get the benefit of the doubt on anything. Well, nevertheless, a big issue. Um, the, the scrimmages do go down, and you have uh, this situation. Every year I see it, I laugh at it, I crack up about it. No one wants to admit that they lost that scrimmage. You asked uh, two coaches that played in the same game who won the scrimmage, and I guarantee you both of them are going to say that they won. And they will argue till the cows come home, the sun will go down and come back up and go back down again with them arguing about who won the scrimmage. They'll even argue about the same play and will both see it differently. They don't keep score. All right, I, I do need to let you all know that fact. They don't keep score in these scrimmages. They are indeed a scrimmage. I think 20 plays on offense, 20 plays on defense, I believe is how these things go. And I'm going to tell you what, uh, you are just not going to find a winner. And then if you ask the bystanders or the fans that were there, you're going to get two different stories as well. And it's just going to boil down to their allegiance or whatever bias that they have. If you ask the alumni from one school what went down, they're going to tell you that their school won. You ask the alumni from the other school, they're going to tell you their school won. You ask a fan of one of the schools what happened, 
who won the scrimmage. They're going to tell you the team that they're a fan of is the one they want. It's just very difficult for you to have an impartial uh, judge on this. You may need to ask like a local reporter. You got to ask a, a Larry Bluestein what exactly happened in that scrimmage and who won it, and maybe you get yourself an impartial view of what took place. Or if I go down there and you ask me, I'm going to just tell you straight up how that thing went. But if you go asking a coach, a player, or a fan, or alumni of either one of them teams, what you're going to get is just a straight-up, bold-faced lie. So Hallandale played Columbus. Uh, it, is, it is Monday. It is 11 a.m. Eastern time on Monday. I still don't know who the hell got the better of who in that Hallandale versus Columbus scrimmage. You ask Hallandale, they're going to tell you they won that thing. You ask Columbus, they're going to tell you they handled them. And so it goes. There are some games where it is so completely one-sided that, uh, you know, it's going to be kind of obvious. But even in those cases, don't ask a team that uh, got their foot put on their neck because they're going to put a positive spin on whatever that goes down. In actuality and reality, it really shouldn't even be about who won because if you're going down there with that attitude, if you're going down there with that uh, in your mind, then you're approaching this scrimmage the wrong way. You're going down there to work on certain things, and some of those things you're going to work on may not be things that you're good at, but things you indeed need to get better at. So at the end of the day, working on something you're not really good at stands to reason that you might not be as effective as you would like to be if it was a game that meant something during the season. If you're going down there to win a scrimmage, you're pretty much working on the things you're really, really strong at, and I don't know how much you improve, and then you're not really using this scrimmage in the way that it should uh, intended to be used. So me, for one, if you're going down there to do the scrimmage and your proper purpose is for you to get better as a team, then you do that, you work on those things, and then you just fess up at the end and say, listen, hey, they got the better of us, but I think we got better. I feel that we got better. But down here in South Florida, man, the response to that is going to be, man, you got your head beat in. And it is such a jungle down here in South Florida that you, a program with something to prove or a program that has been on top, goes down to the FIU scrimmage and come out of it um, getting handled by another program. Who knows what the implications could, could mean? Kids on your team get nervous. Kids start thinking about transferring. Kids that were going to transfer to your program think twice about transferring because you got beat up in the scrimmage by the school across town, blah, blah, blah. There are just so many things that go on down here that control your course of action as a coach that it's amazing. I'm telling you if you're not in South Florida, you're not from South Florida, and you're coaching high school football, you have no idea what a jungle it is down here in terms of trying to keep your players on campus, um, trying to keep your team together, trying to keep kids from transferring, you have no idea. You think you know. You may think you know. You have absolutely, positively no idea. It is a jungle out there, complete with lions and tigers, antelope and wildebeest, the hunters and the hunted. There really isn't much middle ground. Your team's either getting it done and getting the talent in, left and right, or your team's not getting it done, and the moment you have some talent, it's getting ripped off your football team. And I know there are a lot of high school coaches that can't go to sleep at night wondering, are they going to have the same team when they wake up in the morning? It's just that kind of deal down here in South Florida. And don't let anyone tell you any different. So the FIU scrimmages went down this weekend. If you're looking for a scoreboard or you're trying to find out who won, good luck. You can reach me on Twitter and let me know uh, who won each one of those games. I wasn't able to go down there, so I uh, couldn't tell you. So don't come at me asking me who won a particular scrimmage down at that FIU. I wasn't there. I didn't lay my two eyes on it. And you trust no information you get when you start asking people who are down at that scrimmage as to who won, because you're going to get two sides of every story on that. Just letting you know that now. So save yourself the headache. All right, we'll reach the end of another great Gridiron Stud show here. Thank you all for tuning in and listening today. Appreciate that. We continue to be a featured show on blogtalkradio.com. I'm back on again tomorrow talking a little high school football, college football, college football recruiting, 
and uh, everything else from the world of sports. So listen to us daily. We appreciate that. And bring a friend. So until tomorrow, I'm Chad Wilson. Thanks for listening to the Gridiron Stud Show. Enjoy the rest of your day. recruits out there. You want to get recruited by the colleges? Step up and visit GridironStuds.com today. We got college coaches visiting. We've got people visiting. We've got fans visiting. If you want to be seen, get your video up there right now. It's easy. Create a profile. Takes two minutes. Stop playing games. Get off of Facebook. Take control of your future. GridironStuds.com is where you need to be today. Visit now. Set your profile up and let yourself be seen.